Um, and this morning we're going to be doing part two of our series. It is called Consider the Source. Last Sunday, I, I loved last Sunday's sermon. I, I thought it was phenomenal. The, the title was Don't Forget Where You Came From. Uh, that, that when you remember that you came from God, it changes your perspective on how you see your life, how you see your future, and the lens that, that you see your past through. And when we remember where we came from, it's so, so powerful. You didn't come from your parents. You came through them. But you came from God. He is your father. He is your source. He is your creator. And that changes everything when we could get that revelation. Uh, so today we're going to uh, continue that series. We're going to go to uh, the book of Deuteronomy, the fourth book in the Bible. This is a book uh, that was written by Moses, and it was written right before the Israelites were going to cross over into the promised land. And God had some, some great insight that was going to help them as they went into this new life so that they could uh, remember where they came from. And uh, it says this in verse 10. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. Say thank you for the good land he has given you. Be careful. Now, here's the warning, the next few verses. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build your fine houses and drive your cars and go to your jobs and are able to eat at your beautiful dining room tables and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increases and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of sin and out of the land of, of, of slavery and out of your bondage. And every single one of you have been uh, covered by the grace of God in some area of your life. It's not, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here this morning. He covered us. He sustained us. He helped us through every season. And he led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought water out of a heart rock and he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness. When you were down to nothing, God brought you something. And, and, and a lot of times it's, it's not uh, a, a overflowing, but sometimes it's just to get you through that season. And we're thankful for even the get through seasons of our life that we didn't go under, we didn't fall apart, but God's grace kept us. And, and it was able to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. And all that, be careful that you do not say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you, gives me the ability to produce wealth. And so it confirms his covenant. He is a God that gives us gifts. He's a God of more. Um, we hear about that in Ephesians we learn about this, this king that we serve. We learn about our source. It says Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. And I pray that you, Paul said, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep God's love is for us. And to know that the love that surpasses all understanding and all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure and all the fullness of God and this is my favorite scripture because this is, this is where I came from. This is who my, 
my heavenly father is, that he's a more God. It says, verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Say more. more. Very good. Then we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within me. And then one final verse of scripture in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my brothers and my sisters, because every good and perfect gift comes from above. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are a God of more. And we thank you that you are our source, that you are the one who have, have given us all these gifts, Lord God. And I pray this morning that you would just help me, Father God, uh, just be your, your mouthpiece this morning. Pray that you will help us all have soft hearts to be able to hear your word, let it penetrate and let us, let it impact our lives, whatever season we're in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I was uh, really excited this Friday. Uh, I got to take my, uh, my family into the city. Uh, actually, Pastor Rhonda uh, paid for the tickets for us to go see the, uh, the Rockettes, uh, the uh, Christmas Spectacular at Radio City Music Hall. And it's kind of like a Friedel family tradition. We always did it with my dad, and, and we went there on Friday, and, and it was like freezing cold. So windy, like going between those buildings, and, and we had to walk from the parking garage to, uh, to, to Radio City. And on the way, we had to walk through Times Square. You ever been to Times Square before? Yeah, it's a crazy place, man. They got these like Disney characters that are out that just like attack you because they, they want your money. They want you to take a picture with them. And I know, I'm smart. I know I've, I've fallen for that trap way too many times. Queen Elsa got me multiple times before. And, and so this time we, we see Batman and I, I tell the family, like, we're just walking. Don't even look. Just keep walking. And, and, but Batman cornered Judah. And this was like, this was, this was the Batman, the Russian Batman. So he's, you know, Russian Batman traps Judah. He's like, hey, little boy, you want to take picture with Batman? And Judah's like, okay. And so, so they trapped us. And, and he's like, this is going to be the greatest day of your life, little boy. And, and then, oh, look at this. This is a beautiful woman here looking at my mom. Says, oh, you want Batman give you kiss on hand? And Pastor Rhonda, I, you, you did give him his, your hand. And he said, I'm going to give you a gift you'll never forget. And he kisses Pastor Rhonda and says to Pastor Rhonda, and there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> Pastor Rhonda says, no, thank you. I was married to the, the greatest Batman of all time, 46 years, and you ain't got nothing on him. So take a walk, Russian Batman guy. And... And on the way back, we're walking by him, and Lily goes, just keep walking. They just want your money. Just keep walking. She said that. <laughs> and, and, so, and, and so every good and perfect gift, God knows how to give gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we serve the king of kings. We serve the king of the gift-giving kings. He's, he's lord of lords over our life. And, and how many of you know kings give crazy gifts? Like kings don't give like normal people give. Like normally, like for Valentine's Day, you give like chocolates. Kings don't do that. Kings do crazy things. Uh, one of my, my favorite stories of, of, of a king, and, and just to t- share how radically kings give, uh, is the one story I love to tell about the, uh, the king of Saudi Arabia. His name was King Faisal. 
And uh, King Faisal was uh, uh, an avid golfer. And King Faisal loved to golf. And his game, like most of us, was, was lacking, was, was not very good. And so King Faisal heard of this golf pro in America that was notorious for taking people's handicaps and bringing them down. And so King Faisal, when he was in America, said, I want to go check this guy out. So King Faisal uh, spent like a, like a week and a half working on his game, working on his short game, working on his putting. And, and lo and behold, this never happens, but it actually worked, Ernie. He was able to, to lower his handicap by five strokes. You, you would want that. I mean, you, you would pay good money for that, I'm sure. Five strokes. And so King Faisal was, was so elated. And when he got back to Saudi Arabia, he said, I want this golf pro to be my special guest. I want to fly him out special to, to come be with me in Saudi Arabia. So he sent his, his, his uh, G5 jet over to, to pick him up, and he got on the private jet and came over to Saudi Arabia, and he got wined and dined, the best restaurants, the entertainment, gave him like, like, like everything he could ever imagine. It was, it was incredible how the hospitality was, and the last night, he had this private dinner for him. True story. And he, he had this just beautiful dinner for him, a five-course meal, just beautiful, the best drinks, everything. And then at the end of the dinner, he goes to the golf pro. He says, you have done so much for me. I, I mean, you, you took my handicap down five strokes. What, what can I give you? Well, whatever you want, you name it. You want a vacation home? I'll give you a vacation home. Car, I'll give you a car. Jewelry, I'll give you a car. You name it. And the, the golf pro was a little, like, embarrassed. And so he says, it's a little much. You've already done so much for me, King. Um, just, just I, I don't know, maybe just get me a golf club. Done. So they send him back on the private jet, and a couple weeks go by. And the, the golf pro is like, I wonder what he's doing. He must be making me like a, like a golden driver, like a platinum putter with, like, diamonds in the, you know, in the golf head. You know, what is he doing? And then all of a sudden, the next day, he gets a certified letter in the mail, and, and he opens it up, and, and it, it's a thank you. Uh, and there's something else in there, but he reads the thank you letter first. It says, uh, thank you so much for all that you have done to help my golf game. Uh, enclosed, you'll find a deed and title to a 500-acre golf club in Florida that you are now the owner of. He wanted a golf club, and he got a golf club. Are you with me in, in, in the back? Because... Kings don't give gifts the way that we give gifts. And, and, and we don't serve the king of Saudi Arabia last time I checked it. I'm so glad that we don't. But we serve the king of kings who knows how to give good and perfect gifts. He knows what we need and he knows when we need it. And many times we think we know more than God, but his ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes even in the seasons in the wilderness, we're wondering where God is, but there's manna for us every single morning. It's a get through season that we're in and God is getting ready to bless us and every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I'm so thankful that my, my father and my mother taught me this at a very young age. Um, I remember when I got my first allowance, I, was, I believe I was 11 years old, Mom, um, and I got $35 was my allowance. Remember what your allowance was the first time you got it? Just say it out loud. What was it? What was it? A dollar. Someone say a dollar. Okay. <laughs> it's like the, the dollar guy is like the guy that says, it was five cents for a gumball when I was a kid, boy. 
You know, <laughs> so mine was, I guess I, I, I did well. I got, thir- thank you. You know, 35 bucks, I guess was pretty good. So I got 35 bucks for the month. And before my parents gave me uh, the $35, they also got me this thing called monthly money. You remember this, right, mom? And it was a binder that had all these little pockets for kids. It had, like, school supplies. It had, like, gum. It had, you know, junk food. It had, I don't know what else it had. Whatever kids buy, I forget. But then it had one little sleeve that said, it was three letters. It said, God. <laughs> and my dad told me, son, this is what you do. Because this $35 is not your money. This $35 isn't even my money. It's God's money. And God has blessed us to be stewards of this money that he has blessed us with. And what I want you to do is I want you to take $3.50. And before you do anything else, I want you to give this back to God so that you remember where it came from. And he said, this is what we call tithing, son. And what it does is it helps us remember where it came from. That it didn't come from you, it came from God. And, and I'm so thankful that my, my father taught me that because, uh, and, and I'm not perfect in this, but the principle has, has helped me stay humble in many ways to realize that every gift comes from God. That God is the one who has given us the ability to create wealth. It's not us and our ingenuity. He's the one that's given us these mouths to be able to talk with, these minds to be able to think creatively and solve problems and invent things, these arms to be able to drive trucks, these legs to be able to, you know, wait on tables, whatever it may be. It, It came from God. Don't forget where it came from. And it's so important. My, my father also taught me, be a bringer. Be a bringer. Whenever you go over someone's house, son, bring something with you. Does anyone ever grew up like that? You know, whether it's an, a, an Arizona iced tea, just bring something. Some of you, just, just bring a good attitude. That would be just enough. Just bring something. Be a bringer. Don't be a taker. Be a bringer. It, it's a lifestyle. And, and when you come into church, it's the same way. One of our core values, you see it right here. It, it says, C. Uh, no, not C. Oh. <laughs> it, it says we are all chosen. We are contributors, not consumers. I guess they, we ran out of space, so they left that out. Uh, but it, it, the, the, the value is we are contributors, not consumers. Be a bringer. So every time I come to church, I, I'm bringing God my best. I'm, I'm, I'm a part of this. It's not just sit back and, and, and Pastor Isaac, you know, tell me something funny today. Tell me what Judah did. Make me laugh. Make me cry. Make me think. No, it's, it's, it's I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to bring my best. And, and that attitude is the attitude that God has called us all to live with. And, and so all of us, we, we trust God so often with our, our hearts and our souls which are so valuable. But then when it comes to our resources, we don't trust God quite as much with those. And I think that there's an adjustment that we all need to make. The, the first shift that remembering where it came from will do for you is, is it'll take you from feeling entitled to feeling entrusted. See, when you remember where it came from, Suddenly you realize I have been entrusted with everything that God has given me. 
I'm a money manager. I am a steward that God has blessed me with everything to be able to manage for him while I'm here on planet earth for my 85 years, if we're lucky. And, and, and that is, and, but when you feel entitled, you act differently. When you're entitled, you don't say thank you. When you're entitled, you, 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 you treat what you have differently. Like my, my son, Judah, we're praying for him. We're working on him. He's in children's church right now. I bought him an Xbox. And uh, on his Xbox, uh, I told him, Judy, you have this Xbox. But on Saturdays, daddy needs his office to study in. And, and Judah, God bless him. Every Saturday at some point, I got to throw him out of my office. And, he, and he's all upset. I'm like, Judah, I bought you that Xbox. And you, Judah's like, no, it's my Xbox. It's not your Xbox. All right, I bought that for you. And if you don't watch it, I'm going to ship that thing over to Moscow for, 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 for Moscow Russian Batman guy and his kids because it is not yours. I have let you basically borrow it while you're in this house. Do I hear an amen from some parents out there? And he's starting to get it. And, and because we have been entrusted, there's a difference between being an owner and being entrusted with something. You guys would probably not like it very much uh, if uh, Joe Responti, he's, he's the lone man on the front row, last elder standing. I'm going to talk about you a lot this Sunday, Joe. Get ready. And Joe is a really good guy, you know. He puts up with a lot from his pastor. Uh, and, and so Joe, he, he would be the kind of guy if, if I said, Joe, I want you to go do some missionary work, he would be the guy to do it. And if Joe came to me and says, I want to go do some missionary work in uh, Nigeria, I'd be like, go for it. And, and Joe may, may say, but, but I'm going to be away with Joyce and the family, and, and I, I need somebody to help me pay my bills. I'm going to give you power of attorney so that you can help me pay my bills with my money, write checks for me while I'm away in, in Nigeria. And, and this sounds just like up your alley, Joe. Maybe we could turn this into a reality for you. And, and so while Joe's over in Nigeria, I'm here. I got power of attorney, right? And so, but things get tight for Diamond and I. It's tough. I, I, mean, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, Judah needs braces. All of a sudden, you know, it, it's getting crazy out here. And, and so I say, you know what? I'm going to take some of Joe's checks. I'm going to pay some of my bills with Joe's checks. Because I, I, I need them. If I did that, would you like your pastor very much? Would you think very highly of your pastor, Joe Responti? No. Yet, we do that with God all the time. Because God has entrusted us with all of our resources. And all he asks is, I want you to remember me first. Put me first. And yet so often, at the end of the month, whatever we have left is what we go ahead and give back to God. So often, that's the mentality that we live life through. And this is, I, I actually went through it. This is the first time this year I've preached this type of sermon. Because a lot of people don't like this kind of sermon. Sometimes for me, it even feels uncomfortable to have to preach it. But I'd much rather not offend God than offend you. I'm okay with offending you. But when I get to heaven, I got to answer to God. What did you preach? Did you teach my word? Did you teach him on this principle? Did you teach him on that principle? That's who I have to answer to. So I'm much more uncomfortable offending 
God that I am offending you. Because putting God first with our finances is the greatest commitment that we can make in our life because it's saying, God, I want your fingerprints on everything that I do. I have been entrusted. I am a steward. I am a money manager. And I am showing you my appreciation first above all else. Any music fans in here? So maybe you could help me out a little bit. Uh, I love music, can't play music, can't sing, but I can listen. And uh, this was one, one of my favorite songs. I want to see if maybe you can, uh, maybe you could guess it. If we could just play three seconds, that's it. That's it. Stop, 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 stop. What is it? So I, I went to Diamond. I, I played it for uh, the other day, and, and Diamond came to me, and she, she knew, like, the whole song. Like, collaborate and listen. Ice is back, so what you'll miss in. Something like that. Anybody else know the rest of it? Nicole, how's it go? (laughs) That's my girl. That's why she's our worship leaders. It's because she knows Vanilla Ice. You know, let's play it. Let's play it real fast. Play it. All right, when it comes on, I want you guys in, in the back to, to just let loose. You want a moonwalk, you got your parachute pants, you know, go for it. You know, you want to come down the stairs on your hands, that's cool. You know, we got insurance, Jim. Brett knew this. Brett knew this. That's it. That's it. So, some, I mean, so what, what happened there, right, is because this numbskull, God bless him, Vanilla Ice decided to take the bass line from Queen and David Bowie from their hit Under Pressure from the 80s and, and put together his song. And did you know that he did not pay any royalties for years and years and years to the ones who created the baseline that he is now using or was using to make his millions. But we, and in the music business, Nicole, that's what we call a, a lawsuit. Right? Oh boy, where am I going with this? See, sometimes we take what God has given us and we take it as our own and we build something with what God has given us, the gifts that God has given us, the stability, the, 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 the talents that God has given us, and we never pay honor back to him. And God is a God full of grace, but that grace does not give us the right to forget him. He is the one. He is the giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it is our responsibility to realize that we have been entrusted with this, not entitled. We're money managers. And with that, I say thank you to God first. Do I hear an amen? You guys still okay? You good out there? Number two, when you remember where it came from, it will make you see giving as an opportunity not an obligation. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he prayed for that world. Sit now. God so loved the world, he, he wrote a song called Ice, Ice, Baby. No. He wrote a poem called Footsteps in the Sand. No. God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. He, he gave because what you love, you will always give to. What you love, you will give to. I, I think my, my daughter, Lily, is just starting to get this. Because I, I, I took her uh, the other day, uh, I took her to go buy some jewelry. Lily has been so sweet to me the other, the other day. I couldn't believe it. She was so sweet to me. She comes up to me. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Diamond was there. And she goes to me. She says, Daddy, I haven't given you a kiss all day. And she ran over and gave me the biggest kiss. And now, now that I'm thinking about it, that's probably why. She, oh, she's smart because I bought her jewelry like like day after that uh she's like maybe you know we'll uh, all right but anyway so i buy i buy her you know something and and this is what this is what she does she's starting to get it um she she says oh my gosh thank you so much for my necklace i'm gonna i'm gonna wear it so proudly thank you so much for my necklace and then she says well wait daddy you bought that for me it thank you for your necklace i'm gonna take your necklace and put it in my box wait that's actually your box too. Thank you so much, Daddy. I'm going to put your necklace in your box that you gave me. And I said, man, she, I need that like to be recorded because I'm going to need that when she's 13 years old. Because she, she gets it, that it's, it's not hers. And when you realize that it's not yours, how much easier is it to say thank you and to be so humble with what you do have? And to be able to put God first with whatever you have been blessed and entrusted to use. Whatever you love, you give to. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says. It says, uh, verse 7, Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Anthony McGarrow likes the version, a hilarious giver. And whatever you love, you're going to give. Whatever you're passionate about, you're going to give to that. Like if you're dating somebody and they never buy you anything, like just dating tip, like drop that joker off in a second. Because when you love somebody, you give to that. Like, like when I got Diamond a, a wedding ring, man, I couldn't wait to put that on her finger. It, it was, it, it was, and I always joke around with her because, um, I had, I, I had to sell Amazon stock to get the ring for her. So I always tell her, like, you have a $35,000 ring on your hand, girl. <laughs> she doesn't really, but it would be worth that right now if I held on to the stock. And, you know. <laughs> but but that, was the, that was the easiest gift because I, I loved her that much. Whatever you love, you're going you're gonna to give to. And, and, and so often we're passionate uh, about the wrong things. I'm so thankful I got my, my friend Anthony Magaro. Uh, Anthony Magaro, uh, raise your hand, Anthony. Uh, right there, orange jacket, nice you, vanilla ice look. I love it, brother. You know, and, and so Anthony is Anthony is the most frugal dude I know. Like Anthony is psychotic, and he'll tell you about it. Like he's on the wrong side of this of some things. He's you know got yeah, yes, we're praying for him right now. I counsel him weekly basis about this. He has a duster in his car just in case. God forbid dust gets on his 
call, but I go, Anthony, what's something you're crazy about? And so Anthony tells me he he just, he just got a new car and it doesn't get very good mileage uh, like his last car. And so Anthony scopes out gas stations everywhere to try and save one penny everywhere he goes. And he'll actually, going through neighborhoods at 20 miles an hour, will set his car on cruise control to try and save gas while he's going through Wall Township neighborhoods. He's that crazy. But he has done something impressive. They told him he'd never get over 17 miles a gallon on this car. And he's got an 18.4. Pretty good, Tony. Not bad at all. And so, he, I mean, he's, he's psychotic. He's crazy. But when it comes to giving, he is the most generous person I have ever met in my life. It's amazing. Like with Anthony, don't mess with God's money because he will fight you for it. And you think I'm kidding. He almost fought somebody for it. It's about five years ago when uh, we were looking for office space and we went to this one place in Asbury and we were scoping it out for office space. And uh, we, it looked pretty good, you know, inside looked good. It was enough space to have our offices in the Dream Center there. And so the guy told us, you just give me the, the first month's rent, and I'm going to go get the CO for you, and uh, we could draw up the paperwork later. And so that's what we did, and, and the guy, um, you know, told us, send me in the first check. So we sent him in the first month's check, cashes it, calls us the next day, and says, I, the town, they told us that we couldn't get a CO for that um, place, that they won't allow a church there. And so Anthony says, okay, uh, just give us our deposit back, and, and we'll go look elsewhere. And so Anthony goes and picks up the check from him, and Anthony goes to uh, put it in the, uh, the, the church bank account, and it bounces. And he, he cashed it one day, then the next day, the sucker bounces. So Anthony says, get in my car, Isaac. And we, we, we get in the car, drive over to the place, and I, have, I thought steam was literally going to come out of his ears. He comes up, bangs on the desk, says, you give us that money right now. This isn't my money. This isn't Pastor Isaac's money. This is God's money. Dude was shaking. He actually had like a boot on his leg, uh, you know, and, and so it kind of felt bad for him for a little while, but he's messing with God's money. And then he goes to try and write a check. Anthony says, you just wrote us a check and it bounced. No more checks. You're taking us to your bank and you are taking out cash right now. Dude's like, okay. So Anthony escorts him to Ocean First Bank, walks into the bank with him. Dude withdraws the cash because that is God's money. Imagine if everybody treated God's money like that. Man, we could get some things done in the kingdom of God. But where's the passion for God's money like that? Maybe not that far. Like you said, Anthony's a little psychotic in some areas. Maybe you need to take it down from, you know, 85 to 65, but you get the point. Do I hear an amen? It's God's money. And so often when you see it as an obligation, you'll hold on to it. But when you see it as an opportunity, when you see it as this isn't even mine to begin with, I've been entrusted, then it's so much easier to be obedient in that area of your life. Diamond and I went to the LA Dream Center. It was about, uh, I think it was about two months ago. I'm going to sit down. I like the third service. You guys are cool. You guys are real comfortable, make me feel comfortable. And, and so Diamond and I were in LA, and we had a guest speaker here. And uh, we were there, and this place changed our lives. Diamond was the featured testimony there. And uh, they had an offering at the Dream Center. And uh, I, I was planning on giving... <clears throat> I, I mean, I, this is where I tithe. I, this is my home church. We, we tithe to our local church. That's what the Word of God says. That's what we, so that's what Diamond and I do. And so we're there, and I, I was going to give an offering. I, I had $50 in my pocket. 
and we're sitting there, and uh, um, it, it was at their, uh, their gala. And so that's what I was going to put in the envelope and give. And everybody had to have these paddles, and it has, like, your number on it. And everyone, when their number came up, you had to raise your paddle, and, you know, that's what you were going to give at the, that particular fundraiser for the uh, uh, Los Angeles Dream Center. And so uh, it started off, like, you know, way, way too high for us, right? And then it's still way too high for us. And Diamond says, we're going to give right now. And I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. I'm like, no, no. And I, all of a sudden, I got rigor mortis. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I already decided on what we're going to give. She's like, no, we're going to give $1,000. Like, do you know how much money we make, honey? <laughs> like, no, we, we, no, we're going to give it. And so she lifts up my hand. And I got the paddle. I'm like, no. Oh, oh, Pastor Isaac, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Everyone's clapping, and I am, excuse me, I am so ticked off. I am like, thank you. And I was like such a bitter burrito all night. I was angry. I'm saying, this is your fault, Diamond. Our life is going to be over. We're going to go into debt. Our house is going to be foreclosed on. This is it. You know, like worst case scenario, crazy. You know, I'm not even preaching tomorrow. No one's probably going to show up to church. The church is going to go under. All because I gave this down. I mean, I was like, like psychotic. But it was, and then all of a sudden, Diamond's like, what is wrong with you? Do you realize none of this stuff is ours to begin with? And if it wasn't for the L.A. Dream Center, we wouldn't even be together. We wouldn't even have a church. If it wasn't for what God has blessed us with, we wouldn't even have our kids. We wouldn't even have our family. And so you are feeling ungrateful about giving $1,000 back to God and back to the L.A. Dream Center. What is wrong with you? You call yourself a pastor. And when she said that, first I was offended. And then I said, dang, she's right. When you put it like that, it actually feels kind of good to give that uncomfortable of amount. Because I realize none of this stuff is mine anyway. And my whole perspective changed. My whole attitude changed when I realized that, you know what, I've been entrusted. I don't feel entitled. I want to be generous back to God first above all else. And I, I know you're waiting for the part when I come home and like, you know, I come home and, and there's like a million dollar check in my, you know, mailbox. You know, that hasn't happened yet. And I really don't care if it does or not, because I know I did what God called me to do. And that's enough for me. <laughs> when one person claps, usually everybody claps. We're just a, a polite church like that. Number, number three, and then I'm done and you guys could leave and you, you could take this with you or you for, could forget it. That's on you. Number three, when you don't forget where it comes from, it will give you a multiplication mindset and not a maintaining mindset. And I, I thought about a story in 1 Kings chapter 17 because I feel like very, very often all of us, myself included, as I just shared with you, I, I'm, I, I have my wars with God as well is that when, when times get tough, the first place we take from is from God. And we always will we'll say to ourselves, I will always say to myself, don't mean to put words in your mouth, in your heart. God will understand because he has more grace for me than the IRS. And because of God's grace, God, this just came to me right now. Because of God's grace, we take advantage of him. 
because we know that he'll forgive us. Let me tell you something about grace. If my wife loves me, will do anything for me, my my wife treats me better than than anybody, forgives me for everything, you think that makes me want to go out and cheat on her because I know that I could get away with it? No. That makes me want to love her back. Grace shouldn't be an, an excuse for you. It should be a reason to want to give back. So don't let God's grace give you an excuse to not be obedient. It should be the reason that you are. This was the only service that that was for. And so this woman, she, she's in, in the middle of a famine. She's in the middle of a very, very, very difficult season of her life. She's a widow, which means in this time that she really doesn't have anybody to take care of her. Um, in, in this culture, widows were not allowed to work, and they, they had to rely on other people. And this widow was one of the first people to be overlooked during this famine. And it says that the man of God, Elijah, went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. So he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I could have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called. And uh, uh, on top of that, honey, um, I, this seems like so out of line. I mean, this woman is, is starving. She's in the middle of a famine. And this man of God is asking her not just for a drink, but now for a piece of bread. Uh, I mean, he should be giving her the bread, right? That's what you would think. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, still respectful though. Doesn't get offended. But she just explains, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm just gathering a few sticks to take home and make a small meal for myself and my son so that we, we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have left and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. See, that's the, I like to call it the, the God Bay principle. Who knows what Bay stands for? Yeah, that's right. You know, you see those hashtags with my girl, hashtag Bay. You know, hashtag God Bay. I want God to be before anything else. And this widow gets it. She, she, she has God as her bay. And she does exactly what she's instructed for. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on this land. See, most of us, we all have fruit. Anybody like pomegranates here? I don't like pomegranates, so you could actually take this box home with you, whoever you want, uh, because I thought pomegranates would be a, a good fruit I could use for this illustration. Uh, because we all have fruit. Y'all got apples. Y'all got fruit. Y'all got pomegranates. Some of you got more pomegranates than others. Let's be honest. Some of you turn to the person next to you and say, how much fruit do you have? And then tell them right now how much money is in your bank account. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> But we all, we, we all got fruit, and we all use this fruit to pay bills. I'm, I'm probably the biggest one. We, we take, you know, maybe three pieces of fruit. It's a big one. Pay our mortgage, right? Anybody got a mortgage in here? They don't have much grace for the, the mortgage company, do they? No grace. I mean, all right, so three fruits to the mortgage company, 
You know, maybe Uncle Sam, any grace from Uncle Sam? No, so I got to pay. Uncle Sam, he gets two fruits, two fruits, three for the mortgage, two for Uncle Sam. We got, we got, we got two for uh, uh, debt. Anybody got any debt in here? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. That's okay. It God bless you. I don't, I don't need to know that. Uh, <laughs> so someone told me once, this is, this is, I like this. Debt stands for doing everything but tithing. <laughs> it, because, because we get into debt and, and, and then we're, we're, we, we, we borrow to buy stuff and, and we, we basically borrow it from God and never pay him back. We use it for all of our credit cards, our, our, our loans, everything. We got, we got two there. And then, you know, you, family, family stuff. Uh, we got, we got, we got car, got to, got to, you know, got my car, I got my, my new car, I got, I'll save gas on it, you know, but I, I got to get my new car, and, and then, you know, I got to pay me, right, I got to take care of me, which is totally cool, I, I've not, I, no problem with that, take care of you, do you, and then at the end of the month, you get, you, you get, you get a, a few drops, God, that's, sorry, but God, you know how it is. Come on, God. We're cool, right? Grace of God. I'll get you next month. <laughs> Don't ever talk about it in church. You know, it's funny. The two reasons people have so much dysfunction in their life are sex and money. But you never want to hear about it in church or what God has to say about it. <laughs> you know what? That should be my next series to start off the new year. Sex and money. I think that'll get some... some <laughs> Anybody want to hear that series? And, and sorry, sorry, God, but God beg, God before anything else. Can we live with a God bay mentality? Because God's the one that gave me the pomegranates to begin with. He's the one that made the pomegranates. He, 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 he produced the, the soil that the pomegranates grew in. Every perfect gift comes from above. He gave you the job. He gave you the talent. He gave you the mind. He gave it to you. But all we give him many times is whatever little drops come out of the box at the end of the month. But what I love about this woman is during the toughest time in her life, she said, I'm going to God bay. I'm going to give God first before I even give myself in a famine in her life. And it says, verse 15, then she went away and did as Elijah told her. And then there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jar of oil did not run dry, keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Wow. Wow. When you put God first, not saying you're ever going to be a millionaire. Maybe you will. But I'll tell you, I'll guarantee you that you will never have a need that God won't meet when you put him first. For my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So the way I want to live is my first fruits. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. My, my first fruits the first fruits of my harvest, before I pay my mortgage company, before I pay my, my taxes, before I pay myself, before I pay off my credit cards, God, I'm going to give you my first fruits because I trust you above all else. 
this great story in the book of John. It's actually in all four of the synoptic gospels. The only story other than the resurrection that was. It's the story of this little boy who had five loaves and two fish. And there was a need. And Jesus says, does anybody have any food? Nobody else had anything except this boy. Five loaves and two fish. Bring it to me. Bring it to the source. See, when you bring your resource to the source, he's the one that made it. He's the one that can multiply it. And when they brought the resource to the source, the bread to the bread of life, the bread to the baker, the one that made it, what did he do? He took it. He blessed it. And he broke it. When God breaks it, What's inside of it has more potential than the one that you gave. That's how the economy of God works. When you put God first, what is inside your little gift is so much potential. There's so much seed in a pomegranate. OMG, how do you people eat this stuff? But there's so much seed. Do you, do you understand that? Inside every act of obedience, there's seeds of opportunity. There's seeds of blessing. There's seeds of healing. There's seeds of peace that comes with knowing that I'm putting God first in every aspect of my life. It's not just financial. It's, it, it, it's relational. It's spiritual. It's, I mean, my gosh, so many people will pay so much money for peace, but God says there's seeds of peace inside of here. Person that, and I, I, could, I could litter this, this stage with testimonies. People who, Got this principle. And the greatest testimonies and the ones I have the most impact are the ones that started doing it in the middle of a famine. And the first person that came to mind was, was my lonely friend here sitting on the front row, Mr. Responti. And Mr. Responti, in college, he was an art major. Not good for uh, making money. God bless the art majors. Um, Joe was one of those guys, art major, very artsy, you know, <laughs> nice suits. And Joe was in the middle of a famine in his life. He'd just gotten married, and uh, he was searching for a job. He was unemployed. And my father, this was 19, Joe told me, uh, this was 1978. He knows the year. It's amazing. He knows, remembers the year that he started tithing. <laughs> Must have had a pretty big impact on you, didn't it, Joe? <laughs> he remembers writing the date on the check. That's why, he says. And my, my father uh, preached a message similar to this. And uh, Joe went home with, with his wife, Joyce, and they, they prayed about it. I always think it's funny when people pray about giving. Uh, you know, like, like today, I, before I came out here, uh, I prayed whether or not I should snort cocaine before I preached. I didn't do that. <laughs> Because you don't snort coke before you preach, or any other time for that matter. You just don't do it, right? <laughs> I didn't have to pray about it, right? Some things you don't have to pray about it, you're just obedient. <laughs> do I hear an amen? <laughs> That's why you love me. And, and so Joe decided in his heart what he was going to do. And from that day, he, he started uh, uh, becoming a tither. And... Uh, Joe will tell the story that uh, that week he had a job interview, and it was with a computer company, <laughs> an art major going for a job interview for a computer company. 
those usually don't go too well. <laughs> those usually don't even get interviews. Those usually are the first ones off the stack. No, no experience, art major. Yeah, you're not going to be selling computers for us, bro. And yet some, somehow, because of, I believe, the seed of opportunity that was in the seed that Joe gave, he had the favor of God on him going into that job interview in 1978. And I'll be the first one to say, uh, Joe was one of the most successful businessmen I have ever met in my entire life. And God has blessed him abundantly and abundantly and beyond all he could ever ask or imagine. But it started with the decision that God, my first fruits go to you. I pray through this message that you will hear my heart on this. If you know me, you know me as a pastor. That this is not a message that I preach very often. This is the first time, unfortunately, I think I should probably preach it more often because there's so much blessing in it. But I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm just trying to share God's word and a principle that has changed so many lives. And I pray that you